Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Welcome to the 20th and final session of Midnight Moments. Apologies for the few minutes late start. We had a little bit of technical difficulties. But uh, today is the, the last session. And then, inshallah, we'll tomorrow have one more of just a question and answer session. So, uh, alhamdulillah. Um, I wanted to end this series. We've been going for quite a long time, right? This has been a month of 20 sessions. We've covered a lot of material. Um, we've spent a lot of time going in different areas of this journey of presence and self-reflection. And wanted to end on sort of a review, well, a review of everything that we've been going over, but with a focus on takeaways, right? Really, I'm really wanting for these sessions to be practical and for people to feel like they have an understanding of how this relates to something, things that they can, that we can implement in our lives to really deepen these practices of presence and self-reflection beyond this month and beyond these sessions. So yesterday we were talking about finding our way, right? Finding our way to plug in and to continue uh, staying connected. And we talked about the need for having a guide as we go deeper. Um, but what I want to do is focus on the things that we don't need a guide for, because I think that is an intimidating notion of, you know, having a guide, finding a guide. It's, it's, not, it's not something that's easy to, to have, and really it's something that you're blessed with, right? You can make, you can, you can ask for this, and Allah can guide you in many different ways. Um, but ultimately, there's a lot that we can do on our own, right? So while we're either while we're sort of without having a, a sheikh or a sound companion, or until we have these resources, um, it's about focusing on what we have to do, uh, what we can do in our own locus of control, right? And we've talked a lot about these things, and we've we've introduced a lot of practical tools for this that that we can focus on. So what I want to do is focus on those things, focus on the, um, the things that will help you feel empowered to on your own continue this journey. So I'll go through some of the practical tools from a few of the different sessions going back to the each session. And then I'll also link uh, to those two resources like um, people have asked a lot of books and there were some books that I've mentioned along the way. And so I will sort of uh, link each of these to that. And then after that, we'll talk about some ways to continue the journey in terms of staying connected. So I'm just gonna share my screen. If you'll remember back to session three, we talked about understanding tafakkur, contemplation, and we talked about Al-Ghazali's five stages that he lays out based on the, um, you know, we looked at this ayah 
from the Quran that talks about, you know, those who remember and those who and contemplate. So tadakur and tafakur. And Ghazali talks about how there are stages to deepening this process of contemplation and that it starts with remembering, remembrance of Allah, dhikr, and that he even talks about how uh, tafakkur is sort of the next level of integrating that remembrance into um, an experiential understanding so that it illuminates, right? And so it's, and it's interesting that the, you know, the succession from the ayahs, tadakkur and tafakkur. So these things together uh, move a person into this experiential knowledge. So instead of just having this cognitive notion of remembrance or a cognitive notion of tafakkur, which oftentimes we do, right? We're thinking and we're thinking about these things and we stay thinking about them. I remember we were talking about how this uh, knowledge really needs to be experiential knowledge. It needs to sort of go from our learning and our understanding to illumination of the heart to then transformation. And so this is what the stages that he lays out for contemplation can also actually be thought of in terms of um, knowledge in general, right? So you you have this understanding, you, you use your capacity of, of thinking about something, but then when you contemplate on it, it's bringing it deeper into your experiential understanding. So this is um, experiential knowledge. And this is what the understanding that he's talking about here in the third stage is sort of a getting deeper into from this cognitive notion. And then from that understanding, this illumination of the heart. So then it's um, where we're not just using our minds and our discursive thought to understand what Allah has taught us in the Quran and what we learn from the uh, life of the Prophet وسلم, but that this can actually become illuminated in our heart. And this is what we're doing is we're opening up to the process of this. And then through that, we become transformed. Um, our state, our inner state, and even on a bodily level. So this is where you know healing can even happen. We talk about the Quran being a source of healing. Um, there's a literal aspect to that where the, the knowledge from the Quran, not just reading it and understanding it, but it can actually have an effect on our bodies and transform. One of my teachers used to call it the, the, the recitation of Quran, sonic theology, because just by the sounds can actually, you know, by making these sounds and listening and reciting, it can actually have a, a transformational effect on the body. And so the theology is impressed upon you sonically, right? instead of having to understand it, instead of only understanding it through the mind, uh, there's other things happening in terms of this like transmission. Um, and so, you know, this is important, especially when we talked about a lot of times people's relationship to the Dean is transactional. You know, you do these things, you read these things, you're trying to have this sort of, if I do this, then I'll get there. But we're, we're really talking about this internal transformation. And so um, a good resource, you know, these five stages are laid out in Ihya Alumadin, in Al-Ghazali's Ihya Alumadin, in Bab al-Tafakur. And then this book, Contemplation, by an Islamic psycho-spiritual study by Malik Badri, which I had mentioned previously. 
uh, is something to check out to go into deeper. And in all of these things that I'm gonna uh, connect with with books, it's just the ones that I've rev referenced that are, I think, good resources. But really, throughout the tradition, there's so much. There's a vast resource of in this. Um, some of it is through, you know, a lot of it is in Arabic, is in Arabic. But there's more and more translations coming out. Um, and so these are good places to start, inshallah. So then um, we moved on to practicing contemplation. Uh, and we looked at Mahasabi's looking at this ayah in Surah Al-Kaf. And ident he identifies these three things. So verily, there's a lesson in this for everyone who has a, a heart, a sound heart, and who listens with, here it says in this attentive mind, but really this is a witness, shaheed, being an, a present witness. And so he even outlines steps of how to do this that we talked about, making the body still, closing the eyes, not busying the ears, not busying the hands, and then having this sincerity, it's looking inward and having the intention to you know, disconnect from the dunya mind and the dunya interaction. And so you're really internally trying to cultivate this presence with Allah. Um, and this is something that is very practical, right? These steps are something that are very simple and very easy and very physical, right? We're, we're focusing on relaxing our body, um, coming into a, a physical state of presence. And this is something that can be practiced on a daily basis. And I would recommend practicing it um, for uh, about five minutes a day. And a good time to do it is either before or after uh, praying Salat. So when you're on the muslaya uh, and you've either in preparation for for your prayer so that you can be in a in a better state of khushu when you're praying or after but it's a good time to couple it with these times of prayer um and this is in uh you can find in muhasabi's book i'm not sure that that's translated yet but it, it uh inshallah and then um focusing on the breath so again, we talked about breathing and this practice of the diaphragm breath because we are so disconnected from our bodies and so disconnected from breath. You know, there is certainly a lot of traditions in the Islamic spirituality of different breathing exercises, but there's not a whole lot that I'm aware of in terms of writing and particularly scholarly works on breathing per se, but this is really because it's something that we always do. It's something natural. The only reason that I'm saying we should be focusing on it is because we've become disconnected from this fitra way of being, which involves being connected to breath, right? We talked about how when um, older generations that are more connected to natural way of living, they just naturally have this way of connecting to a slow, longer breathing cycles. And so this is something that we can practice to, to help orient ourselves back into being in a state of stillness and connecting with our, our beings in this way. And it can be really, really useful. And so this diagram here is just the, that, that diaphragm breath is really just a, a full breath. And, and by bring, bringing your belly into it, it helps 
take that full breath. And I remember there were some questions when we were talking about this of when you focus on the breath too much, it takes you out of the place of, you know, being able to focus on being present. And so what I'm recommending is that you practice the breathing separately so that you become familiar with taking, you know, voluntary breathing rather or rather than involuntary breathing. And what this will do is will orient you to be familiar with breathing in this in this more full way. And then when you're doing your practice of uh, when we guide, when we combined this breathing with the practice of tafakkur, with the steps that we just talked about, then you can sort of let go of the technicalities of the breath and really focus on the heart, really focus on centering and being present. And the breathing should just sort of be this uh, steady, regulating thing that's bringing you, bringing you into each moment and bringing you into this physical place where your heart is in the sadr, when we talked about the, the centering in the, the chest and the sadr being the forefront of the, of the being. And so the breathing sort of helps you orient there, but not to get too, too caught up on the technicalities of breath. And then in this uh, session six, when we talked about combining these with the process of the steps of tabakur, um, I was recommending, you know, so I gave this guided recording and we'll, we'll um, inshallah, provide these links again for you. Um, the guided recording is quite long. It's 25 minutes of me sort of walking you through this practice. If people have found that that's helpful, alhamdulillah, if, if it's too long or for some people it's uh, distracting to have a voice, for some people it helps them. So just use it if it works for you. And, you know, doesn't have to be 25 minutes, five minutes, uh, is good, but better that it's constant, remember? And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then we talked about, in session eight, we talked about understanding the self and this, you know, this Islamic model of the soul. And really this is for, it's important for us to understand, to orient ourselves to what are we, what are we talking about when we talk about the self? Because from an Islamic perspective, it's a different orientation than what we hear about the self in a lot of sort of self-help or uh, personal development in, in non-Islamic contexts, it's very fundamentally different because we have a different um, epistemological and ontological paradigm. And so it's very important that we align ourselves with that and understand it. And so, you know, it can go very deep, but it's just to, just to sort of orient ourselves to the work of this self-reflection to just know what is the what is the self? And so, uh, all we gave these. I, so you, there's a link to the journal article, which is sort of a more of a research article that gets a little deeper into the sources and the scholars' input on how this model is conceptualized. But then there's a blog post that is a little bit more uh, less technical, and then there's a video where I just sort of explain it in a longer period. And you can also go back to these sessions. Uh, in this case, you can go back to session eight from this series and review some of these things. It's a little bit shorter. I go through the model. And so, you know, that's the beauty of these, these sessions is that we, they're recorded and you can come back and visit them and remind yourself. And then also, inshallah, plug into some of these resources and books. And then we talked about, um, you know, we, we focused on, the right side of the model, mostly the first session. And then in fasting of the self in session 10, we talked about these 
muhlikat and munjiyat and this disciplining of the self, disciplining of the soul. And so some good resources for that is Sheikh Yahya's talks during this Ramadan live series on the book of fasting. Um, even just reading the book from Al-Ghazali, um, from the Ihya al-Mudin, but those talks are really good to understand, you know, these, these inner dimensions of fasting. And that that applies really beyond just fasting for Ramadan, because this is the work that we, we need to be doing constantly. And then a good book uh, that was translated by Sheikh Abdul Hakim Orad is uh, two, two, it's actually two books from the Ihya al-Mudin. Uh, it's translated as on disciplining the soul and breaking the two desires. So this is a really good one for understanding this uh, disciplining of the soul that we talked about. And then moving on to this practice of muhasaba and watching the self. So now we understand the self, you know, this is a really practical tool that we can do carrying forward. It can be a daily, it really should be a daily exercise. Remember, we talked about Ghazali talks about, you know, uh, at the end of each day, like an accountant taking account of your day. And so this is a good practice to instill. Um, and Mahasabi in the Risala Mustar Shidin talks about six things that we should be doing Mahasaba over our hearing, our sight, our speech, our smell, our hands and feet, because these are the pathways to the heart. And so we need to be careful about how they, how, what we're doing with these things to how they get into our heart. So, you know, something to do in this practice of Mahasaba, then you can, and I think I recommend keeping a Mahasaba journal if you can do it as it's happening, but even at the end of the day, writing down what happened each day. And you can even use these as markers for how what to do Mahasaban. So you can write out each day, even, you know, what did I hear? Um, and take account of yourself. What did I see? And take account. Well, what did I say? Should I have said it that way? Why did I say that? What 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 was it about me that had this impulsive reaction in this way? And I said that, you know, and smell. So you you're going through and really taking account. And so thankfully, these are. This book is translated uh, by Imam Zaid Shakir, Treaty for the Seekers of Guidance. So, so that's something you can check out for more about Mahasaba, as well as uh, Ghazali's book on uh, Muraqaba wa Mahasaba. And this is translated as the Book of Vigilance and Self-Examination. So those are two fantastic resources for that. And then uh, in session 14, sort of skipping ahead, so I'm really just focusing on things that we can uses takeaways, uh, constant, you know, engaging the body. And so this is sleep, it's nutrition, it's breathing, it's physical activity. Um, you know, we talked about the Sunnah sports, but anything that you can do to stay engaged in your body will help you with this notion of your locus of control, right? So locating yourself in time and space in your, in your body and understanding that the body is is the where our soul is housed, but at the same time, it's it's integrated. You know, there, there isn't really a separation between body. It's not just a carrier for the soul. We have to engage the body just like we would be doing engaging the soul in this sacred way, um, and 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 bringing that in alignment. As a matter of fact, Mullah, Mullah Sadra even talks about how the body is simply a a physical, a, a dense manifestation of the soul 
in the dunya. So it's a really interesting way of thinking about it, that it's not, you know, in, in other traditions, in other religions, there's thought of like sort of the body is just this, is this just casing for the soul and it doesn't matter and we should, and you should neglect it. And this is not an Islamic perspective. We're not to neglect the body as much as we are to uh, discipline it and train it and bring it in alignment with our, with our ruh, inshallah. And so this is something that is very practical, you know, and, and I would recommend at least three times a week, um, you should be doing some physical exercise for about 30 minutes sustained. This is against this constancy. And so when we talked about understanding constancy in session 15, I didn't have the uh, uh, diagram like this that I wanted to present because I didn't have, so I figured I'd show it to you now. So if we do things inconsistently or in not constantly, right? We do it sort of when we feel good. So we're always up vacillating or, or fluctuating, right? It's just the nature of our nafs is we're fluctuating. The nature of the world is that there's ups and downs. So when we allow ourselves to be carried by those ups and downs, and we sort of do what we're, so these dots represent, you know, whether it's exercising or whether it's coming back and doing contemplation um, and even really salah, hopefully inshallah, you're doing all your, your prayers, but this goes for the same reason. It's why we have to do them at the times that they're allotted every day. Because what it does is when we do it sort of, when we feel good, when we're on and up and we do the things that we're supposed to do or that we need to do, then it doesn't, it, it's, we're still uh, led by these fluctuations rather than bringing the, the tension to so that we're not creating so much ups and downs. So it may not be ex ex exactly taught and straight like this line shows at the bottom, but certainly you'd have less slack the more frequent these points are, these touch points. So uh, coming back and, and sitting in a state of uh, presence daily, uh, coming to the, just like coming to Salah daily throughout the day, it brings you into this, um, this rope of Allah, really. And then finally, um, just wanted to talk about, plug into some resources. Um, a lot of people had asked about Islamic psychology and where to find information and training on that. So, you know, it's the International Association of Islamic Psychology, you can go to the website. This is primarily for practitioners, but there is a lot of literature for people that want to understand this uh, sort of notion of the self and the development of the self from an Islamic perspective. There's a lot that can be gained from reading some of the literature on Islamic psychology, even if you're not a practitioner. And so on the islamicpsychology.org website, there's a page for uh, resources and literature, and there's a whole list of of uh, books and articles that have been written on this topic. I mentioned uh, Abu Zayd al-Balhi, Sustenance of the Soul, that has been translated by Malik Badri, just because it's, I think I referenced it a few times, so I wanted to guide people to that as well. Um, the, the nice thing about that is it shows that we have this long-standing tradition, or not tradition, but long-standing knowledge of the soul and of psychology within the Islamic perspective to the point that if you read this book, it's as if you're reading a, a current book on cognitive behavioral therapy. And this was, you know, 
um, centuries before. So really plugging into understanding that we have this indigenous uh, uh, paradigm of psychology. And so the association, you can, you can go there, you can become a member and there's training courses that you can find out about there and sign up to mailing list. Um, and then also I mentioned these uh, in Islamic counseling, there's these clinics in the UK and the US that you can find resources for if you do want to go deeper with some of this work and uncovering, uh, uncovering the heart and really removing some of the barriers. Um, I really encourage people to not shy away from counseling. Um, I think it's a really good resource and it's a really important thing that we embrace as an ummah. And then for me personally, if you want to sort of stay tapped into more things that I'm doing, my website is shifacounseling.com and I post there like things that I'm doing, videos, events, articles that I'm publishing will show there. And so you can go there and um, sign up to receive uh, notifications. It doesn't happen very often, but just when there's something, I, I'll send out emails. Um, and then, like we said, staying connected, staying connected to this community through Cambridge Muslim College. You know, this is, I think a, a community has been established here and I think we can continue a lot of this work, um, both as staying connected to the people who are, are looking to be on this journey, but then also there's going to be more resources that Cambridge Muslim College is going to be putting forth in terms of online courses. And so please do stay connected, uh, join the sign up to the mailing list and so that we can continue this journey together, inshallah. Thank you for, it's been a, it's been a pleasure um, sharing this space with you. And I, I hope that it has been beneficial. Um, and I hope that you'll join me tomorrow as well for, um, we will, we will talk about, we'll have a question and answer. So if you have questions that haven't been answered, I've been keeping a list and I'm gonna uh, attend to some of the ones that I haven't answered tomorrow, inshallah, but uh, also come with ones live and we can, we can get into some of the things that perhaps people weren't uh, able to get answers to and hopefully continue the conversation. So I thank you all again for joining me. I. I uh, apologize if throughout these 20 sessions I've said anything that offended anybody or was out of place. Um, I'm, I'm a work in progress just like everybody and we're on this journey together. And I look forward to being with you again in other platforms beyond this Ramadan and throughout the year. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.